This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, you know the drill. Subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper for all things LA sports and LA basketball. And of course, NBA. Locked on Clippers. If you're a Clipper fan, five days a week. Subscribe to that. And of course, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, social media. Follow me. Social uh, Twitter, Dime Dropper Pod, Instagram, same shit. All right, what a night. Sadly, ladies and gentlemen, I was missing my second game of the season tonight. Had some coaching stuff to do, but I'll be back at the next game against Portland. I've missed two really good games this season, I can't lie. Um, By the way, for the people on Twitter, forget that Twitter stuff. I need you on the YouTube So you see the link right underneath the tweet you're watching. Please click on that link. I'm going to be deleting my tweet because I want everybody on YouTube. I'm really serious about this 10K subscriber thing. So please join me here on YouTube. All right, let's get to it. Clippers, finally, finally we break the drought against the Denver Nuggets, man. I can't believe it. But I actually can because we're a good team. And it's just a matter of time before we beat the Denver Nuggets in one regular season game. Now, whether we can beat them in a playoff series is a totally different conversation. And quite frankly, tonight didn't really make me much more confident. It didn't make me less confident, of course, but I'm just I'm just not big on regular season, one game especially. But hey, to beat them is a great win. There's no better win you can really get unless you beat them on the road. And by the way, I'm also going to be getting into the Laker game against the Suns, the quarterfinal game on Tuesday night. Really controversial finish, so I wanted to discuss that as well. But let's get into this game. So shout out to everybody that was at the game. I see some people in the live. My man Angel, uh, Clipper Nation. Let me get some. Let me get some clapping in the in the comment section right now. That's a big win. That's a big win, ladies and gentlemen. We'll take it all day. Beating the Denver Nuggets. We were eleven, one and eleven against them in the last twelve games. The last time we got a regular season win against them was January, I believe, 11th, 2022. I may have done a vlog, uh, not a vlog. I may have done a post-game live for that. I have to check my folder. But we went small, switched Terrence Mann and Nico on a Jokic. And they didn't have Murray, of course, or MPJ. So we got the job done there. This was the first time we had beaten them with Murray since that Christmas game, the second game of the 2020-2021 season. I remember having a post-game for that one. Serge Ibaka played well in that game. That's when Kawhi hurt himself. Uh, and wore the mask after that. He had that facial fracture. But yeah, we finally got him. We finally got him. And I think my main key was the play of the centers, man. Daniel Tice and Ivica Zubats were so good keeping Jokic in check. Granted, Jokic missed shots that he makes in his sleep. You know, I was watching this game with my dad and I was like, every open floater he missed, I was like, <laughs> we better win this game, man, because this is crazy. He's missing all these shots. Like, there's literally no way to guard this guy in that pick and roll with Murray and Jokic. There really isn't. You just got to sometimes pray he misses. But I'll tell you what, the defense contributed. The way Zubats and Tice got into his airspace, contested shots, it was fantastic. It was just amazing effort. But let's get into it from the beginning, right? Clippers winning this one 111-102. First quarter was an absolute disaster. Dog shit. I mean, the effort wasn't great, but I think more than effort, it was just some defensive lapses and really bad offense. A couple of threes in the first quarter, to say the least, for Denver. Eight for ten from three, and it was MPJ that was absolutely scorching hot, uh, hitting everything. But that pick and pop with Jokic, of course, causing problems in the beginning of the game. Jokic hit two threes to start, and I was just like, here we go again. And Harden, I mean, his defense in the first quarter was absolutely pathetic. Uh, he ended up having a very good game, in my opinion. Uh, Clippers broadcast picked him as a player of the game, and I think you absolutely could make the argument that he was. I'm going to go with someone else, though, that I thought was the player of the game, and I'll tell you that a little later. But in the defense of the first quarter from him was a joke. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Gordon scored on him twice. There was one time where he didn't box out for a rebound, and, M- 
MPJ, I believe, ended up getting an open three. One of MPJ or KCP. Um, and then there was one time where Kawhi had a blown rotation. It was just, we were a little all over the place. And then offensively, just not hitting shots. James Harden wasn't really creating much. Kawhi was really the... Paul George wasn't really creating much. He was going to the rim, but he wasn't finishing. The only guy that was really playing decently for us, in my opinion, was Kawhi. You could argue that Russ came in and gave us some energy, though, four quick points in that first quarter, but it was a bad start. 36-21 in favor of the Nuggets. But I'll tell you what, the second and fourth quarter for the Clippers in this game ended up being the difference makers. And that second quarter, we absolutely crushed them. 40-21. to How did it begin? You know, I was a little bit surprised that Russ came out of the game so early. And by the way, or should I say only got really one short stint in the first because I thought even though he had some bad threes that he shouldn't have taken, contested, you know, listen, I'm start, I've am i already said I'm starting to get to that point where I don't want Russ to shoot any more threes. The only exception I'll make is wide, wide open in the corner. That's it. If he's even semi-contested in the corner, bro, move the ball or try to get downhill. Like that shot is such a bailout and it's just not it, <laughs> to put it lightly. But second quarter, by the way, actually, let me say the the matchups first, the initial matchups. Harden on MPJ, PG on KCP, Kawhi on Aaron Gordon, Zoo on Jokic, Terrence on Murray. Clippers were switching one through four. I was pretty surprised that we were switching Harden on to Murray like that. And you know what? They didn't actually go to it that much throughout the game, Denver. Look, if I'm other teams, I would attack Harden a lot more in the pick and roll. Not to say that he's been awful defensively for us. He's actually been decent. And he actually ended up being decent in this game. Got a couple of steals. But if I'm other teams, I would go at him more in the pick and roll, period. Um, Especially if we're going to concede that switch so easily. Uh, But with a guard, not with a big. You know, people think they can put just bully hard in. That's not the case. He's super strong. You got to have a quicker guy to make him guard a face-up player. But anyway, second quarter, Daniel Tice, James Harden, Kobe Brown, Norman Powell. PG was the unit. But it was those four bench guys I just mentioned. Actually, I should say three plus James Harden that were really good in that second quarter. James Harden started putting started putting on a dime dropper clinic. 13 strippers, James Harden. Dimes. Cross court in the pick and roll. They were, you know, the Nuggets actually played a mix of drop coverage and then also hedging the screen. And a lot of times they were doing a pretty good job of taking away the roll man, forcing Harden to make that cross court pass to the weak side corner. And he was doing a pretty good job of it in that second quarter. Hit Norman Powell for a right corner three that he had a nice pump fake. Uh, with he had a nice pump fake on. I don't remember who flew by, but he straight up flew into the Clipper bench. So Norm, he sent him for for a cold beer courtside. James Harden though he had I think like seven or eight assists in the first in the second quarter. Had a nice pass to a backdoor cut from Paul George coming off the back screen. And then there were, I'm trying to think of another dime that he had. Some really nice law passes when defenders weren't paying attention. So overall, really, really good quarter from James there. I will say again, and this is when people ask, why do, don't I like James Harden? It's just a preference thing. Like I, Even when he's cooking, like for the example, the second quarter, he takes like over 10 seconds on everything. Like, I, and so many dribbles. I'm just like, bro, like, this is just not my cup of tea. But if we're winning, I'm not going to complain. But I just want you guys to understand, like, everybody has their taste, right? Like, you guys don't see what my taste is in terms of as an individual player because there's no player I fuck with like that. Like, who do you guys even know who my favorite player of all time is? I, honestly, I want to see guesses in the comment section right now. Who is my favorite player of all time? Because I don't talk about players like that. I'm a Clipper fan. Everybody knows who my favorite player is. Whoever plays for the Clippers. (laughs) So, James, I thought he was cooking. But how about Tice, Tice, baby? Oh, my God. I was freaking out, bro, on that couch. He was playing insane. When I saw him block Jokic within two minutes of checking into the game, I was like, okay, he means business tonight. He was contesting shots. He had active hands. There were even times where he was out there on the perimeter and he was moving his feet. I mean, and then rolling to the basket, some nice open shots in the short roll, hitting the three ball. I'm pretty sure he only made one, though, in the end. Maybe two. Let me look at the stats. Daniel Tice, two shots from three. Two for four, though. We'll take that 50% all day. He was so active. He was getting offensive rebounds. I mean, just unreal performance by Daniel Tice, and it started right away. Kobe Brown. 
you know, he's going to have some rookie mistakes. He keeps fouling jump shooters, but I thought he looked more comfortable in this game. And that was one of James Harden's assists. He had he looked like he was about to get into his ISO. They were loading up. He whipped the pass nicely to Kobe Brown, and he hit that open three in rhythm. And, you know, Harden, very on-target pass there, right in his shooting pocket. But... Paul George also started getting going. And I felt like Paul George throughout this game was just more aggressive than Kawhi. And I wanted Kawhi to be a little more aggressive. I felt he was a little quiet. You know, Ty's calling a lot of sets. You know, for those people that are w wondering, you know, is, do, Ty Lue doesn't call plays and all that. I, I hope you guys are really watching Ty Lue because sometimes I'm just like, chill. Like, let the players go for a sec. Let, let Harden or Kawhi or Paul call what they want because there are times where he's just calling sets. All, he's calling more sets than I've seen. As I said, over the last year and a half, it feels like, maybe I'm wrong, it feels like he's been calling more sets. I don't know. That could just be me. But I'm looking around the league. Darvin Ham, Rick Carlisle, they're letting their point guards dictate a lot of possessions. You know, of course, they call sets on their dead balls here and there uh, a lot of times, really. But, on you know, off a rebound, they're letting them go. But anyway, a lot of stuff basically with Harden and ball screen action, double drag, high screen with Zoo or Tice. And I thought we got pretty good stuff out of it overall. We took the lead in the second quarter, and I thought a wrinkle that Ty threw in that was actually ended up being genius in this game was against the Nuggets' second unit. He went to a 2-3 zone, and it was really working. The Nuggets just started. I thought the Nuggets themselves in the second quarter took some really bad shots, just like threes fairly quick in the shot clock or just with little, like not making the defense work at all, not trying to drive, not doing too much, just a lot of stagnant stuff. With Jokic out of the game. That's really when we started our run was with Jokic out of the game in the second quarter and got back in it. I mean, down by 15 in the going into the second, and we come back and take the lead in that, take the lead with that run with Jokic on the bench. That was big time. Uh, I want to see something because in the second half, there was a point of the game where the Denver Nuggets went to no starters in the game at all, which... That's a little bit risky, especially when Ty Lue did not have Russell Westbrook and James Harden share the floor. And you know what else he did? He always had a center in the ball game. And I I really think it was one of, if not Ty Lue's best coaching performance of the season. And of course, he's going to get little credit for it because that's how today's society works with professional sports now we just blame coaches for everything because we honestly don't want to admit that we don't always know what's going on and what we're seeing so we use the coaches as an exit door especially because we have such obsession with these grown men that are playing basketball on the court and we don't like to blame them for anything so that's the excuse bullshit but we're not going to give him credit when he s does a great job doing something i didn't think of zone against their second unit they have nobody in the high post that was gonna, that's going to cook you and they fell for shooting threes no pick and roll game, no nothing. So they went cold after going eight for 10, by the way. And the Clippers, I think, shot six of six or five for five from three in the second quarter. So it just totally flipped. 40 21 in the second. And also, Norman Powell didn't mention him. Thought he hit the ground running, knocking down open threes, getting downhill, attacking closeouts. He was good in transition. And he played well defensively for, you know, what we expect from him getting into guys' airspace and overall moving his feet pretty well. There was no time in this game, not once, where I said, come on, Norm, defensively. And that's a good thing. So going into the half, it was 61-57. Clip show. Reggie Jackson, he had a pretty decent game again. <laughs> it's funny, man. Reggie's playing really well. I'm happy for him. As a backup point guard, honestly, that's a, he, he can be a backup point guard. The problem with, was last season, he just kind of got butthurt after he got taken out of the starting lineup. Like I don't know what <laughs> how else to put it. A couple of stats, by the way, the Clippers now are finally at 500 for the first time since they were 3-3, three and three, so thank God. We are 7-3 and three at home, which I love to see, and we're 2-0 and oh without me there, which is I don't love to see, but I do because when the Clippers win, I'm happy either way, <laughs> I should say. What else was I going to say? 7-3 and three now with the new starting lineup. That's really good. And 7-8 and eight overall with 13 strippers. So let's talk about who Denver put in. So Reggie came in for Jamal Murray. And by the way, it just felt like Jamal Murray didn't get as many minutes in this game. Let me just do a double check on that. 29 minutes. That's a little bit less than what you'd expect. And 
he actually shot well in the end. 23 points, 6 assists on 10 for 18 shooting. 2 for 7 from 3, which makes sense. It didn't feel like he was making many threes, but he still shot really efficiently. Speaking of inefficient, honestly, I'm going to hold on his stat line because it's a sight to see. I cannot remember the last time Jokic shot like this. Holy shit. Zubats and Tice, the European duo tonight. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. I'm so proud of those guys. Third quarter, though, the Clippers' offense was terrible. 25-18. to 18. The Nuggets outscored us, and it just felt very stagnant. A lot of hardened ball, and he wasn't creating too many advantages. And we didn't get much from anyone else. I mean, Kawhi wasn't really being that aggressive. I want to see how many shots he took in the third quarter. Let's see, three. And he made two of them, and he played the whole quarter. See, that's not acceptable. He's shot three shots in a quarter that he plays 12 minutes in. I know it sounds like I'm nitpicking because we won the game, but in general, like, Kawhi has to be that guy. I'm sorry. Like, as much as we have these stands of Harden and, like, the people that want the ball in Harden's hand so much, like, I, I get where you're coming from because he's the best playmaker we have, but Kawhi Leonard, I just think, has to be the guy. He has to be getting more plays drawn up for him. He has to be demanding the ball more. We need it. I mean, he's he's got to be the guy. He is the man that we need to take us across the finish line because I don't think any of the other guys, when it comes to the highest levels, are going to be that guy they're gonna be good maybe great but Kawhi can be that guy and what i mean by that guy is best part of championship team level player i'm still trying to figure out this substitution thing ladies and gentlemen i apologize for that while keeping keep talking as well because i'm very interested to see their lineup so they had deandre jordan in the game peyton watson christian brown julian strother and then I believe, okay, so they didn't do the all bench thing in the first half. But in the second half, they did. Third quarter, we got outscored 25-18. As I said, just a cold quarter for the team overall. We were 8 for 23 in the third. But the one thing I liked, we kept our defensive intensity up. You know, everybody was moving their feet. We were communicating our switch as well. Everybody was taking pride on that end. Harden started playing D. He wasn't getting abused or anything like that. Kawhi was good defensively. And, you know, Kawhi is very quiet defensively some nights because they don't want to go at him. Teams just don't want to go at him. So it's like, yeah, there's nothing I can say about that. And then Paul George, I thought, stepped up his effort as well. But this game, it's like it's really all about the centers. It really is defensively because you're going to run your offense through Jokic. And we were not conceding switches with anyone on Jokic. So again, that should be a simple adjustment. We shouldn't switch anyone else on a Jokic, but I love that Ty did it and the team was so disciplined that I can't even think of one time where Jokic had a smaller defender on him. So bravo to the boys. Sometimes, you know, we were in drop coverage a good amount, but uh, Jokic was missing his floater. <laughs> there were times where the rotation wasn't even there and he was missing his floater. I couldn't believe it. That's an anomaly, though. I don't want everybody to get so so excited like that's a normal occurrence. you know. But we'll take it, right? How many times have we seen one of our stars brick uh, routine shots against Denver? So it was about time. You know, We're not a bad team. Eventually, we're going to beat these guys in a regular season game. Denver outscored us 25-18 in the third, which set up for a great fourth quarter in which the Clippers won 32 to 20. If it's a Zubats, I thought he was doing a great job contesting Jokic, getting into his airspace and playing good defense without fouling. He was not able to be he was not able to be bullied. He was vertical. It was so impressive. And then Tice, you know, he's 4 inches smaller than Jokic for him to contest the shots like he was doing. And just competing, man. Just really competing and playing high IQ basketball. I was just so impressed with those guys. And again, Clippers going to that zone. They went with a lineup of Reggie, DJ, Strother, Peyton Watson, and Brown at one point. And actually, it wasn't too detrimental. So again, it's telling me that they want to keep Murray on a little bit of a minutes restriction. But just having... The Nuggets, they just could not make shots second unit-wise. The Clippers bench completely, completely outplayed them. They weren't making shots on the outside. I want to see what their bench shot from three. Let's see. 
Julian Strother, 0 for 2. Christian Brown, 0 for 1. Peyton Watson, 0 for 2. Reggie was 3 for 4 from 3. But yeah, besides Reggie, they were 0 for 5 from deep. No bench player for Denver played even 20 minutes. Every one of their starters played 29 plus minutes. It felt like Aaron Gordon didn't play enough either. He played 31 minutes, but that's not enough, especially when Kawhi and Paul are playing 38 apiece. By the way, 20 straight games. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I'm knocking on that wood still. 20 straight games, and they haven't missed one. And I've said this so many times, and it's not been happening. So you can't say jinx. I mean, if it happens, it's because it's inevitable. But, like, so far, so good. I love it. It's amazing. But, yeah. Fourth quarter, baby. Clippers, fantastic defensively. Tice, Zubats, Russell Westbrook. How about the way he played in the second half? Limited minutes, but he was being aggressive. He wasn't settling. He was getting downhill. His defense was great. He blocked that putback by Christian Brown. And how about the offensive rebounds? Some of this guy's offensive rebounds are ridiculous. Like, he just comes out of nowhere. He goes to the Estrellas. He goes to the Estrellas. Because it is... Man, like we talk about how athletic LeBron still is, but Russ is still incredible at his age to be doing what he does. What honestly surprised me, though, is that we didn't let Westbrook run a little bit more. Uh, he, the fact that he came, uh, you know, Harden came back in, and I was happy that they didn't have him on the court together, but I did feel a little bad for Westbrook because he was playing so well in that stretch. Norman Powell was playing well with him. Tice, PG, he hit huge threes to start that fourth quarter huge that one over reggie on the left wing i mean that's just the size of paul george to be able to shoot that shot over reggie like he's shooting over a chair and then knocking down that little tween cross pull up over christian brown then he walked into a three with dj in that high drop just dropping a little too deep and he hit that three then so we got Harden back in the game, and I thought he ended the game very well. Made some good plays, passing the ball, but also going at Murray. And you know, one thing I mentioned it when we had Westbrook play against Denver for the first time in that game we lost. Having that third star caliber player that can actually make Murray have to put in some work defensively, like Westbrook was doing in that game and Harden was doing in this one, that really helps our matchup against them. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I think we can beat him yet, but that helps our matchup against them. Just having Russ or Harden, like just going, I'm talking about before we had either. That helps because one of them can make them work. Now we have both of them that can make them work, but it felt like Russ didn't play against Murray too much tonight, but I'd have to check the minutes on that. Anyway, um, yeah, big time ending. James Harden in the pick and roll had a big time floater. And the first time in my entire existence where I said good hustle Harden when he chased that ball down. I mean, he was the one closest to it, but he hit a sprint, chased that ball down on that Jamal Murray turnover and fed Kawhi for the dunk. Listen, Jokic, how cold he was, it was just mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling. Nine for 32, ladies and gentlemen. Nine for 32 is what Jokic shot tonight. I I can't even like fathom that. I don't remember the last time I, I heard Jokic shooting. I don't remember the last time Jokic shot 30 times in a game. But nine for 32, it was a mixture of great defense and also just a bad night at the office for Joker. But anyway, huge win for the Clips. I also want to talk about how down the stretch we started involving Kawhi a little bit more. There was a long period where I was like, man, can we get our best player the ball? Can we get our best player the ball? And we went to that Harden-Kawhi pick and roll, and they were switching Jamal Murray on a Kawhi, and I love that we were exposing that. You know, I think he went two for three in that fourth against him, but we had Kawhi get things going late. And then I'm trying to think of the play that I think sealed the deal. Let's go to the play-by-play because it's kind of blanking. I'm kind of blanking, I should say, right now. The play that sealed the deal. It was the missed three off the top. Oh, it was when Zubats blocked Jokic. That was so epic. Oh, my God. He got all of that. Got some hand, too, but hands part of ball in an instance like that. And then it was the KCP 
missed three off the top of the backboard. I, he was wide open. I thought he was going to hit that. And we were going to have a battle at the end of the game, last 45 seconds, but he missed. And then big free throws were made by Ivica Zubac, who's been struggling at the line this season. And that was that. Clippers won the fourth quarter 32-20. to 111-102 is the final. Huge win. I'm looking at the attendance, man, and it did not look good tonight. And it, 86%? We didn't sell out either game against Denver. That's disappointing. We've sold out six games already this season, and we have had 90-plus percent attendance in every game but two, this being one of them. What is it about Denver that people don't want to see? They're the champions. Or, I mean, what happened tonight? I don't know. Clippers are winning games, though. We have four stars. We have a super team for the first time. Come on. If you don't think James Harden is still an all-star caliber player, you're dreaming. This is a super team. It's like, stop fucking hiding from it. It feels like it, and that's why it feels icky to me. But it is what it is, right? My team could have never dreamed of having stars of this caliber want to beg on their fucking knees to be a Clipper. So for all you fanboys that want to insult the Clipper organization, your idol, your boyfriend that you wish was yours is uh, begging to be on our team, leaving teams and demanding trades to be on our team. So go Clippers, baby. To all the real Clipper fans out there, let's fucking go. Anyway, let's read the lines. Denver Nuggets, the chicken nuggets that we ate tonight for dinner. I love it. Denver played a 10-man rotation. DJ, good old DJ. Four points, five rebounds, two for six from the field in 11 minutes. Had two insane dunks. Insane on alley-oops. But overall, we kept him in check and didn't make him feel like Lob City DJ. Two for six from him. That's not good at all for a center. Julian Strother, thankfully we kept him in check, although that was just really him just missing wide open shots from three when we were playing zone, which is very rare because he's a fantastic three-point shooter. He's He was 0 for 2 in the game, only shots were threes. Peyton Watson didn't really feel his presence at all. He was a minus 15, two points, three rebounds, three assists. He was 0 for 3, 0 for 2 from three. Made two free throws. Those were his only points in 16 minutes. And then Christian Brown. Eight points, five boards. He was four for six from the field and 0 for one from three. And Reggie, 14 points, three assists, two turnovers on four for 10 shooting, three for four from three, and three for four from the line. And if you're wondering what the reception was for Reggie, I did hear some cheering even when he came in the game. So credit to Clipper fans for still doing that. Starters for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray played the least. I already mentioned his stat line, 23.6 dimes. On 10 for 18 shooting and 2 for 7 from deep. Only one free throw attempt. I thought we did a really good job of keeping the Nuggets off the line in this game. Only 9 free throw attempts for Denver. Wow. 8 for 9. Clippers, 19 for 25. So we'll take that. Denver shot 11 more shots. Clippers shot 16 more free throws and got 11 more points from the line. Aaron Gordon. I actually thought he played well, but didn't play enough. 8.6 boards, 2 assists, 2 steals, 0 turnovers, 4 for 9 from the field. Did not shoot a 3 and did not shoot a free throw. I think he should be playing like 34, 35 minutes. He's like, what, 28 years old? Let's see how old he is. Right on the money, 28 years old. Yeah, come on. He's in his prime. I get it, playing the long game, but 14 and 8, 5 and 8 on the road. Denver, are you going to let Minnesota be number 1? Are you kidding me? How about MPJ? He really quieted down as the game went on. 18 points, 9 boards on 7 for 8 shooting and 4 for 5 from 3. I'm sorry. If a guy's that hot and he can get a shot off as easily as MPJ, you got to give him the ball more. Like, Jokic is bricking and he just kept going to Jokic, Murray, pick and roll. And, like, I get it. But why not? It's the regular season. KCP was very much kept in check. Not like he's a guy you, like, have to focus on keeping in check. But he just, you know, didn't do much. 3 points. Three dimes, one for four from the field, and one for three from deep. And then I already mentioned Jokic. He still had a triple-double. My goodness. 22 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists, 9 for 32 from the field. Two for seven from three in 37 minutes. I don't know if we'll ever see Jokic have that bad of a game against the Clippers again. But we'll take it. They shot 42% from the field. 39 from three, actually. So they ended up still shooting well from deep. Clippers went nine deep. Russell Westbrook played the least. Oh, my God. 16 minutes, and boy, I think he was effective in those minutes. But, like, as far as the body language with Russ, I think he, he – I wasn't at the game, so I couldn't tell, like, as clearly. But he seemed like he was in pretty good spirits, not ecstatic, not sad. 
So if he can continue to buy into this role, it's fantastic. I mean, having Russell Westbrook as a sixth sixth man, shh. he may not end up being the sixth man though in terms of like minutes wise. It doesn't look like he's going to be getting more minutes than Norman Powell going forward. So it's more like he's a seventh man, which is like ugh. It doesn't matter. I mean, if he can buy into it, having Westbrook as a seventh man is a complete luxury for us. It's just a matter of how long. You know, he might not. He might not think it's that fun playing at this. You know, playing this many minutes. I mean, who knows? But nine points, eight rebounds, two blocks, and just one turnover. I'll take that all day. He was four for six from two. Just the two threes. I can do without those. Four for eight overall. You'll still take that efficiency. One for two from the line in just 16 minutes. Almost a double-double. Four offensive rebounds. Kobe Brown. He was a plus 17. The highest. Actually, no, he was not the highest of any Clipper, but up there. See, our bench was just all in the plus category massively. Which tells me that we really. I mean, the Nuggets definitely without Bruce Brown. They lost something. But I don't think I don't know if it's championship significantly lost something. Like they're not going to win anymore because of that. I don't I don't know about that. Kobe Brown he made one three. He was one for four from the field. One for three overall. Three rebound. Uh, three points. Four rebounds. I thought he was better. I thought he was better. Made an extra pass when he got that assist. I think it was to Paul George. And there was one closeout he had in the first half that was just like actually made me get out of my seat. I know it's super like weird. <laughs> no one gets out of their seats for a good closeout, but it was so great. Prevented the jump shot and didn't get blown by. Stayed in position. Textbook. That's that four years of college ball. How about uh, Terrence Mann? So I didn't even mention his name really. He's quiet. You know, he's not going to get as many minutes when he's not hitting his open shots. And today he only shot two shots. They were not threes. His shot he made was a really tough one, too. Going to his right, like a fall away, like one-legged shot. He was one for two from the field. Two points for him. He was quiet. Don't think he was bad. I think his defense in the second half was really good when he was in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's always a plus to have him out there in terms of who he can guard. But his plus-minus is bad. Jesus, minus 16. That was a team worst. But, again, plus-minus single game is, is for fools if you want to really buy into that all the way. My eyes say he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. Uh, one for two from the field for T in 20 minutes. How about Daniel Tice? He was my player of the game. So if you're wondering who was my player of the game, Daniel Tice. I thought he was exceptional. He played 21 minutes, but he had eight points, 11 rebounds, three blocks. And he was just playing with so much energy, spreading the floor a little bit, which was opening up, opening up some more space for guys. Three for eight from the field, two for four from three. So good. Five offensive rebounds. And then Norman Powell, really good contribution from him off the bench. Seems like he's shooting 5 for 12 a lot. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists and a steal, just one turnover. He was a game high, plus 24 to match his number. What a game from Norm. Attacking closeouts, knocking down open shots, being aggressive. 5 for 12 from the field. One for three from deep, six for six from the line. You'll take that performance all day long. And then Zoo, 10 points, nine rebounds. Damn, wish he would have gotten that double-double, but two steals and a block. We know which block that was. Four for seven from the field. The one thing I don't like, two for six from the foul line. We need better than that. But he was just awesome. His defense was so good. His contests on Jokic were so good. Anyway. How about Paul George? Oh, actually, no. Let's go James. 20 points. Another double-double for him. His second of the season. 20 points, 11 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. Wow. I don't remember the block. Very good performance overall for James. Making things happen. Some awesome passes. 4 turnovers. And let me just say, they were so bad. Oh, my God. Some of them were like, my dad was like, what is he doing? That was so funny. But overall, 11 to 4. I'll take that assist to turnover ratio and a W all day long. He shot 60% from the field, 66% from three, two for three, and six for seven from the line. So James continuing to be efficient uh, from the field, and you'll take that all day. Especially when he was one on one against Jamal Murray. He was looking to be aggressive. And look, it, James Harden is telling people to clear out and get out of the way. Kawhi Leonard needs to be doing the same thing. Paul George was our leading scorer in this one with 25 points and 8 rebounds. You can absolutely argue he was the player of the game. He was not making shots around the basket, but he shot really well from 3 tonight. 8 for 20 in the game, 5 for 9 from 3, 
Four for four from the line in 38 minutes. Defense very solid for the most part, especially in the second half. I thought he was very good. Continues to be great. Uh, he's having a great season so far. I'll say that. I don't think he was great tonight. He was very good, but he's continuing to have a great season. Kawhi Leonard kept it efficient, but I want him to get the ball more. I want him to demand the ball more. It just felt like Paul George, when he got the ball, he looked to be more aggressive. He looked to get to his shot. Kawhi, especially, well, part of it is because Kawhi sharing the floor with Harden more, and Harden is a total ball pounder. No matter what you want to say about him, good or bad, he's a ball pounder. 17 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, and at the end with Terrence out, Kawhi was guarding uh, Murray a lot, and he did a really solid job at the end. 8 for 16, you'll take the 50% shooting all day long, 1 for 3 from deep, no free throw attempts, so he didn't even really try to get to the basket, but his mid-range was going better tonight, so I'll take that all day. Big win for the Clips. Huge. Next game is at the Utah Trash. It would be huge if we can get three in a row. Seven and eight with James Harden now. One more win. I hope we beat Utah. They got 50 piece by the Mavs tonight. That'll get us to 500 with James Harden. So, trending in the right direction. Now, going to be reading some comments and then getting into the Laker game against the Nuggets. And now, your Los Angeles Lakers. That's my best Lawrence Tanner. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it. Lakers Suns, quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. This was a competitive game. It's amazing that we had to wait all this time to see KD and LeBron play against each other. And we've gotten it three times. We hadn't seen it since Christmas of 2018, LeBron's first season as a Laker. And we've gotten it three times so far this season. And they've all been really good matchups, all nationally televised. The opening night game, we had the in-season tournament group stage game that Cam Reddish had that dagger. But in this game, the Lakers started out with intensity. It was just a high-intensity game overall. They won the first quarter 33-23, and I thought they were just in command the entire first half with their defense. And it's like the Lakers are finally starting to be healthy now, top to bottom. And you know who the odd man out was in the rotation that kind of surprised me? Christian Wood. Christian Wood. Because I don't think Darvin Ham likes him playing the five because he can't really protect the rim. And so Jackson Hayes, he's given him some good energy minutes off the bench so far this season, being, being an athletic presence at the rim, rim running, and being a lob threat, and also getting some athletic blocks. And you know he's always capable of the athletic highlight play. Christian Wood, now that Vando's back and Rui Hachimura are back, <laughs> Rui Hachimura's mask was uh, an interesting look. But having those guys back is a huge luxury. But Christian Wood, I feel sorry for him. The Lakers, it's funny because last season, it was the Clippers who had all these big wings and all that. And now it's the Lakers that have all these big wings. And like the Lakers are a gigantic team compared to Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix, besides Kevin Durant, like the Yuta Watanabe's and the Keita Bates Diops, they didn't really like play that much in this game. It didn't feel like Keita Bates Diop played six minutes. Yuta Watanabe didn't even get off the bench. Like Nasir Little played 14 minutes. I mean, he was non-existent. Five points on two for four shooting in 14 minutes. Like Josh Kogi only played nine minutes. They have too many guys that can either guard and not hit shots or that can't really guard. And Yusuf Nurkic and Drew Eubanks, like they're not cutting it. Eubanks was had, a, had six points in the game, but he was a minus 16. Yusuf Nurkic, he had some good passes. But at the end of games, he's really going to be a problem, in my opinion, later down the line in the playoffs, closing games. You honestly can't even close with him because they attack him in the pick and roll, and he's bad in drop coverage. He's not good enough on his feet to stick on the perimeter in any sort of way. He's just a kind of a liability on, defensive, on the defensive end late in games. But you see with the Lakers just how much they look like they're taking up space with their fully healthy team. Vando at the point of attack or even in help with Rui out there. At one point, they had a lineup of like Reeves, LeBron, Rui, Vando, and AD. And it was just like, Jesus, man. Like a lot of switchable personnel and a lot of big bodies. And like the whole identity of this Laker team was supposed to be defensively. And so far this season, they haven't been too impressive. But um, it's like... 
that's what it's all about. If they can have better point of attack defense and AD doesn't have to play cleanup all the time, then it's going to be a huge luxury. Because like that's what you're seeing with Minnesota right now is that Gobert, he's obviously the rim protector that we all know he is, but he's surrounded by good point of attack guys and Ant-Man, Jaden McDaniels, Conley's not terrible, Kyle Anderson, these guys. So the Lakers trying to go for a similar kind of thing. And I thought LeBron was really alert defensively and help and on his rotations, and I think he's had a better start defensively this year than last. I think it's partially because he's got more offense with him that he can trust. And AD was just, again, a monster on both ends of the floor. The way he can guard two guys at once, when he comes up to hedge screens, he's got active hands, high and low, blocking pocket pass and blocking the over-the-top. He's just such a great defender. For me, the best defender in basketball, I know people will argue Bam and Gobert, some will argue Jaron Jackson, but I don't really think so anymore. I like Anthony Davis. Maybe it's the bias because I watch him every night, but I think Anthony Davis is the best defender in the NBA. If you want to see, uh, hear why, just go back and watch my episodes from the playoffs last year. But the first half, Lakers in complete command. I thought Austin Reeves was fantastic. Vando was just everywhere, on the glass. I saw Lakers Twitter raving about him. I mean, they were just loving this guy. He was everywhere. and just He and Rui give the Lakers that more youth, that much more youth, that much more athleticism, that doesn't make them look like a team that always just wants to play slow and in the half court. You know, a team that looks like they can get guys out and turn defense into offense quickly. You know, that matters. That is stuff you definitely need a little bit of at least in today's game. And the, the takeaway I had after the first half was the Lakers just too big for Phoenix. Before the season, I said I think the Lakers are a better team than Phoenix, even though I think the Suns will finish with a better record. And part of that's because the Lakers are too big for them. The size that they have is not very good defensive size in Eubanks and Nurkic. Like, AD was just dominating them in the first half. And then they don't have that many good wing defenders. Even when Beal comes back, that issue is not solved. They have more offensive firepower. I honestly don't know why Yudo Watanabe is not playing. In the beginning of the season when I was watching, you know, a lot of Suns stuff, mainly when Beal's playing, I thought he was doing okay. I just think they have a lot of guys that are around the same level, and they're not that great. Grayson Allen had a really good third quarter, though. And by the way, the Lakers were up 59-47 to at the half. But the third quarter was actually very much a great one for the Suns. They outscored the Lakers 35-24. Grayson Allen started getting hot, and the Lakers started getting cold. Just weren't really making shots. They had a big scoring drought that Austin Reeves eventually broke. And KD, oh man. By the way, I didn't even mention Devin Booker yet. He was getting shut down like I haven't seen him been shut down since Game 7 against Dallas. The worst game. Just like I said, it was Jokic's worst game tonight against uh, the Clippers that I'd seen in a long time. This was Booker's worst game I'd watched him play since Game 7 against Dallas. Like, the Lakers did a good job throwing doubles at him, loading up on him constantly. And the guys that were guarding him on the ball were just not letting him get anything easy. Physical with him. And Booker, I mean, he just bitches too much. I love his game, but he bitches too much. He's still top 10 to me in the league. Easy. But he had a terrible game. I mean, he was still making some good passes, but he had way too many turnovers. Just uncharacteristic misses from him. They're still The record with him is still very good, though. But 21 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and 7 turnovers. The Suns had 22 turnovers in the game, and that was what made all the difference. The Lakers had 25 points off those turnovers. The Lakers also had 10 more points in the paint and 21 offensive rebounds to the Suns' 8. They won the rebound battle by only 1, though, which is wild. They had... 27 more shot attempts and four more free throws. So there's like the fact that the Lakers almost lost the game when they had 27 more shot attempts is and more free throws is just nuts. And the reason why is because of all those turnovers. But the Suns actually shot a lot better than the Lakers. They shot 49% and 48% from three, 12 for 25. Wow. And the Lakers were only 37% from the field and 30% from three, but 84% from the line. You'll take that all day. Man, the third quarter, as I said, the Suns were making ground. And I got to say, man, Kevin Durant, his shot making, unbelievable. He's averaging 31 points to start this season. We talked about LeBron and said year 17, year 17, beat it like a dead horse. 
We didn't even do that for Kobe that much, by the way. But Kevin Durant, we need to beat it more. Beat that. <laughs> we need to emphasize that more. My goodness. 17 years in, and he came off a torn Achilles, and he's still playing at this high level. It's pretty amazing. Such a skilled player. His shot making, unbelievable. He was just making three after three. Contested, open, didn't matter. Of course, no Bradley Beal in this game. They still haven't played one game with the three of them together. But also, Reeves. They were not, Lakers were not conceding the Reeves switch on a KD. He was hedging and recovering. And I thought he was doing a great job. And Austin also just in the fourth quarter and third quarter, just in the game in general, but really in that second half, he energized them when they had nothing going, like nothing going scoring-wise. He was able to score in that pick and roll, knock down the open three, got to the basket, just a very good game overall from Austin in a game in which D'Angelo Russell was pretty quiet. D'Lo played only 24 minutes. He had eight points and five assists on three for 11 shooting and two for six from three. No free throw attempts. So it wasn't a very good game for D'Lo. Also, Cam Reddish, only four points, two rebounds, one assist and a steal. But I thought his defense in the second half was good. He had a donut. 0 for 4 from the field and 0 for 2 from three so only 12 points for those two but it gets worse torian prince who i haven't mentioned yet so now that i got i've gotten to watch torian prince on a an la team every single night i can see his flaws as a player from the outside you know you don't watch him every night you're like oh he's a decent defender he's got good size he can knock down the open three but man He's a very low IQ basketball player, in my opinion. Just makes stupid mistakes. Like in this game, there was times where he was open for three, didn't didn't shoot it, didn't attack a closeout, settled for a contested shot, like he was like some all-star player. And then he has like bad defensive mistakes. He 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 threw the ball away on an inbounds in the third quarter, just not doing much well. But I actually I will give him this credit. At, in the fourth quarter, late in the game, I thought he had some decent defensive possessions on KD because he was actually guarding KD towards the end and he didn't get totally like abused or anything he was able to stay on the court and not be a liability in the fourth so I will give him that especially because I saw Laker fans being very worried about the fact that Ham ended with him instead of Vando but he held his own and they won the game so you got to give him his credit there but only five points from Torian three rebounds I'll give him the three steals but three turnovers. And for a guy that doesn't have the ball in his hands that much and is not even really dribbling that much, three turnovers is too much. They had nine as a team. So that's good. I mean, 10 as a team, actually. You're taking care of the ball there. But the fourth quarter, LeBron James time. Right now, LeBron would be my front runner. Of course, I'm extremely biased because I'm watching LA games because this is an LA channel and I watch every game. But LeBron, to me, has been the clutch player of the year so far. I know the people that hate LeBron are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? LeBron and clutch, they shouldn't even be in the same sentence. But, you know, LeBron, this isn't 2008 anymore. This isn't 2009 anymore. LeBron is so seasoned. He's so confident in his abilities. He's seen every single defensive coverage and scheme known to man. He's so confident compared to these guys. And in a game like this, in-season tournament, he had a little extra fire. The way he was able to get to that rim and he was attacking Nurkic in that pick and roll over and over like we saw on opening night. He was getting great shots every time down. Hit a mid-range. Hit a tough contested layup going to his left. I mean, his finishing ability is just spectacular. It's like I'm watching the game and I'm like, how is this guy still this athletic? Like growing up, right, I was a LeBron fan. He was my favorite player. And I'm arguing with Laker fans, Kobe fans. Like, Laker fans were damn near Kobe stands. Like, they really, like, because Kobe only played for the Lakers, and they had grown up with Kobe. Like, we grew up, by the time we were able to, like, Kobe was drafted in 96. The kids around my age, 98, 99, 2000, you're right, that era. So, Kobe was actually drafted before we were born, and by the time we were able to watch basketball, he was a, a dude. You know, he was one of the best players in the world. He'd already won rings. So, he was like a god, to, to us and to Laker fans. And so they just like, you couldn't even say a bad word about him. Like he was just, the LeBron argument, like you don't, you don't understand how much we had that growing up, LeBron and Kobe. But one of the main things they'd say, like when I was in middle school, this was like 2010, 11, and 12. They were like, when, when LeBron is this age, he's going to be nowhere near Kobe because his athleticism is going to wane. 
and he won't be able to, to be this good because Kobe's a skilled player, LeBron's athleticism. And I was like, we'll see about that. He's getting more skilled. And man, not only did he get more skilled, but his athleticism waned slower and slower than any player ever. I mean, he surpassed Kobe in that sense. I can't believe it. There's no narrative he crushed like that one. Because I guarantee you those kids at my school were not the only ones that said that. They were saying that when LeBron got older, his athleticism wasn't going to stay, like, wasn't going to allow, his lack of athleticism would not allow him to be an insane player at that age. But, like, the dude is moving better than 20-year-olds. It's wild. He was going off in that fourth. He was hitting jumpers. He was getting to the rim, making good passes. LeBron O'Palmer playing better this season than last. He is. Because he's having more games where he's playing better defense. Because he didn't trust that team with Russ. He gave up on them. He gave up. LeBron mails it in when things aren't going his way these days, like the last 10 years. Like, let's be real. Post-Miami, just... You know, when he, when he doesn't believe in something, he just his body language is shit. He doesn't play defense all the time. It's part of the reason why I don't fuck with him like that anymore. But when things when he's got the squad he believes in, oh boy, LeBron, killing. AD, by the way, not good enough in that fourth quarter for me, offensively, in that second half in general. Just a lack of aggression. You need better. And because of that, after this performance last night, I think LeBron's been the best player so far for the Lakers this season. Because he's just getting more, like, based on what they can do, I think LeBron is playing better to what he, playing closer to what he can do, what he's expected to do. I think AD, as amazing as he's been defensively and as great as he's been, and you know, it's, it's crazy, I'm insult, I feel like I'm insulting him. He had 27 and 15. He's averaging 23 and 12.6 rebounds right now. Second in the league in rebounds. That's great. So 13 rebounds. But I would like to see Anthony Davis average 25 points at least. 25 points at least. But anyway, big win for the Lakers. Oh, I haven't even gotten into the fun stuff. So, that ending. Kevin Durant wasn't going away easily. LeBron was making big play after big play. But Austin Reeves made a cold-blooded right-wing three. And by the way, I was surprised the Suns were conceding the Grayson Allen switch against LeBron. And LeBron was having fun with it. But Reeves hit that huge shot, just huge. And I thought the game was over. But oh boy, was it not. I forget who scored. It may have been KD with a three or Devin Booker going to the rim. I think it was Devin Booker going to the... Whoa! Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Laker fans. No sellout for an in-season tournament quarterfinal that sounded loud on TV and was on national TV? Lakers have no fans. <laughs> What's going on, Los Angeles? 98% and then tonight, 86? Is everybody going out of town? What is going on? We have no sellout this week? Whoa, LA. Do better. Laker fans, what the fuck is going on? I thought you guys were always supposed to be a sellout. 98%. Anyway, Booker blew by LeBron way too easily. That's what happened, which made it Nine, 101-102, Austin made the step back three, right? Then KD made a quick two. 11 seconds left. Lakers call timeout. Oh, wait, no. This is when it happened. Okay. The ball is thrown in to Austin Reeves. And he stops on a dime because he knows Booker's behind him, looking for that classic little Trey Young move. And in my opinion, this is an opinion, not that everything's black and white. Devin Booker stopped his momentum as best he could. He did bump into Reeves, but I don't think it was significant enough contact to cause Austin Reeves to go off balance and be called a foul. I don't. And Austin Reeves is a known grifter. Reeves lunges forward a bit. KD is there. And now we have a scrum. So many different angles about of this play were shown. It looked like it was about to be a jump ball. Austin Reeves loses control of the ball with the KD Booker double team. Grayson Allen keeps the ball in bounds. And we see a timeout has been given to the Lakers. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I know... The NBA came out and said 
that Austin Reeves having his left hand, his singular hand, between the ball and his knee, pinned to his leg, was possession? But I think that is total bullshit. I thought you had to have complete control of the ball to have possession, either with two hands or a one-handed palm. When you ha- he had his, you think he chose to have his uh, the ball pinned to his leg like that? He was losing the ball. 0.5 seconds goes by from what is deemed he's controlling the ball, and he is changing what position the ball is in. That is not true possession. That's bu- and you know what makes me really angry? People, Laker fans, are getting so fucking sensitive about my tweets. It's not about, I'm not saying the Suns should have won the game or that the Lakers, it was rigged or that uh, the Suns lost because of that call. The Lakers could have gotten a call when LeBron went to the basket 30 seconds earlier and KD looked like he hit him on the arm. That probably should have been a foul. Booker maybe fouled Austin Reeves on that reach going for the ball. It looked like he he made contact with his arm. But I'm just talking about that singular call. If you don't call those things, it's about the, the, the integrity of the game, right? Here's my thing. I personally had an incident where I experienced this call myself for my rec team. I had a rec team, and we were in a playoff game, elimination playoff game. And we were up by one point, one point. And we had outplayed this team the whole game. We're at the free throw line and we miss. They come down the other way, shoot a short corner mid-range jumper. It goes in and out. The ball's on the floor. Multiple people are going for it. And the coach feels like the clock is running out and just tries to get a timeout. And the ref gave it to him with one second left. When it should have been a jump ball or just literally a loose ball, nobody has possession, it's not tied up, let it play. The clock would have expired and we would have won the game. Now I have to defend a timeout. I told him to play man-to-man defense and look for any screens coming. They run their baseline out of bounds to perfection. I was afraid to switch because we had a smaller team than them. That was our one disadvantage or one our one big disadvantage. So I was afraid to switch everything on screens and they ran their inbounds, played a perfection and scored a last minute buzzer beating layup. And my kids were like all in tears and my, the parents were flipping out. So like that was a really tough moment for me. And the fact that I just saw that happen at an NBA in an NBA game, the exact same thing. It was like, it triggered me, man. I'm like, fuck this. Fuck this. And I know the last minute report says the Lakers didn't get calls. I don't care that the Lakers won the game. Like, I don't give a shit about that. I'm just talking about that particular call is so bad. Like, I, I don't care what the NBA says. But anyway, huge win for the Lakers. Huge win. They're 3-0 against the Suns this season. Of course, we didn't get to see the Suns with any of their big three yet. But that they won the tiebreaker. So that could be huge down the line. I think the Lakers match up well with them. I think they can beat them in a series whether they have Booker or not. I'm sorry, Beal or not. Um, I meant Beal. And, yeah, big win. Lakers are starting to put it together. Now they're healthy. They're 13-9, and and they should be climbing up the standings if they can keep AD and LeBron healthy. I had the Lakers at four before the season, but I had the Clippers. I'm sorry, I had them at five because I had the Clippers at four. But now that we have made this trade and it's going to, you know, that we had the whole the whole growing pains thing, I don't think we'll finish with a better record than the Lakers. So we can flip them. Lakers fourth, Clippers five. It doesn't even look like the Clippers are going to have a better record than OKC in Minnesota right now. But it's so much left. And the Clippers are actually trending upwards. So who knows, to be honest. What were my standings? I had Denver first. I had Phoenix. No, I had Sacramento second. And then I had Phoenix third. And then the Clippers and the Lakers. But anyway, let's read the lines for this one. Phoenix Suns, the Buns, they're 12-9 and nine now. They're 7-4 and four away from home, though, which is good. As I said, they shot pretty well in this game. Uh, Akogi only played nine minutes. He had a donut. 0 for 1. That shot was a 3. Kata Bates-Diop had 2 points on 1 for 3 shooting and 0 for 1 from 3. Nothing there. Nasir Little, 5 points, 14 minutes, 2 for 4. Jordan Goodwin, 7 points, 6 rebounds. I've actually been very impressed watching him play this season. Uh, 3 for 6 from the field, 1 for 2 from 3 for him. Devin Eubanks, or Drew Eubanks, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Devin Ebanks. <laughs> Drew Eubanks, Six points, two rebounds, one assist, and a steal. 
three for three from the field, but just not an intimidating presence at the rim at all. Yusuf Nurkic, three points, eight rebounds, four assists, and a steal. I mean, he was a plus 12, but he's getting attacked in pick and roll, man. Not a huge fan of that. It's a downgrade from Aiton, like it is. Defensively, it's a massive downgrade, and three points is not good. Grayson Allen, 21 points. I don't think he scored in the fourth. Two points, two assists. I'm sorry, two rebounds, two assists, two steals and a block, and zero turnovers. So I actually thought he was pretty good. Six for 14 from the field, four for eight from three, and five for five from the line in 39 minutes. So he was really good. EJ, Eric Gordon, seven points, four rebounds, four assists, two steals and a block. Overall, I don't think he caused that much damage. Three for eight from the field, one for four from deep. And then the dynamic duo, Devin Booker, 21 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, and seven turnovers, as I already said. Six for 16 from the field. He only shot one three, and he made it. Eight for eight from the line. It felt like he played such a worse game than, than the stats suggest, but seven turnovers is not good enough. Kevin Durant, wow. By the way, he airballed that final shot. AD was at the line, missed. And it didn't even look like he got a clean, like, gather. Like, his, as he was going up, you it didn't look like a clean release. He bought it from the left side of his body. It wasn't clean, clean motion. So I knew he was going to miss. Airballed. He, he had an extra second. He could have taken another dribble, in my opinion. But anyway, 31.7 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 turnovers for KD. So 12 turnovers of their 22 were just from KD and Book. So they got to be better in that regard. I, I respect that KD didn't, KD didn't make any excuses about the officiating after the game, whereas Booker went straight to Instagram, even though he played like ass. So that was just weak. 31-7-4 for Kevin Durant on 12-17 for 17 shooting and 4-7 for 7 from 3. Uh, astonishing. 3-4 for 4 from the line. How about the Lakers? They went 10 deep. Max Christie made a big three in that third quarter. He had eight minutes played, three points, one assist. No turnovers, though, so that's good. Shot two shots. They were both threes, and he made a three. Jackson Hayes, just nine minutes for him. He had a donut, two rebounds, and a steal. 0 for 2, pretty quiet. Jared Vanderbilt only played 15 minutes, and it's crazy. He had one point, but he was very impactful. Six rebounds, four of those offensive, two assists, one steal, and had some really good moments guarding KD. He was 0 for 2. Both of those shots were threes, and that's going to be the thing, right, for Vando. Can he make that three ball and allow him to trust him in these moments? That matters. So... He's not going to want to close with him if he doesn't have that threat because they're just going to force the ball. And you know LeBron will make that op- that pass the open man. Rui Hachimura. Thought he was solid. Seven points, two rebounds, and an assist. No turnovers. Three for eight from the field. One for four from three. So you'd like to see him shoot a little bit better. But good impact overall. 21 minutes. Torian Prince already said his stat line. So let's go to the big four. Or I already said D'Lo as well. How about Austin Reeves? 20 points, six rebounds, two dimes. Three turnovers, though, but he was a plus 17, which was the highest for any player in the entire game. He was awesome and clutch. Seven for 16 from the field, three for eight from deep, three for three from the line. Very good performance by AR-15. And then the, the dynamic duo, AD, 27 and 15, six offensive rebounds, two blocks, 10 for 26 in the field. So you love to see that he shot 26 times, even though he wasn't super efficient. You like that. He missed some easy layups. If he had missed, made some of those layups in the second half, it wouldn't even have been that close. So you just got to finish. I don't know what to tell you. And it, it, it's going to happen. AD's been good around the paint this season. And then LeBron, player of the game for me, 31 points. Eight rebounds, 11 assists, some great passes, five steals, very active in the passing lanes, just two turnovers, 12 for 25 from the field, two for four from three, continues to shoot super well from three, and five for six on the line, including two big ones in the fourth, in 40 minutes. What he is doing, he's turning 39 this month. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Big win for the Lakers. They're now 9-2 at home, 13-9 on the season, and are winners of three out of their last four games. That's it for me tonight, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Also, one last shout-out. The LA Kings are 10-0-0 on the road so far this season and are third in the West as far as points, and and they have a couple games in hand over the teams ahead of them. So 
the Kings might be the best team in LA this year. Who knows? Keep an eye out. It's good. It's a good time. Stable Center teams. I think they'll all be in the playoffs again this year. And it's their last year all in the Stable Center. So it's only fitting that they're all in the playoffs. Have a great night, everybody. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Every donation is appreciated. Peace.